That's a magic number. Hello and welcome to Flint Off Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. That's me, Matthew Side. We have some, wait for it, meaty topics this week, including intelligence in sport. Rob's got a lot to say about that. Why do England football team underperform? And what rules would you change to make sport more exciting? As always, a big thank you to everyone who's gone in touch through the week using the hashtag FredSavSide. But before we get going, let's find out what we've all been doing over the past week. Robbie, you're smiling there. Oh, no, I'm just more interested in what Freddie's been doing. <laughs> okay. I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> quiet week, Matthew. Um, quiet week. Um, actually, sat down yesterday... Um, um, wow, father! <laughs> That's going to be a good one. This isn't it going to be a good podcast. Father-in-law was over. Had Sunday uh-huh. dinner with 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 his grandchildren. I was nice. sitting with my wife, and first time ever, my wife sat on the sofa with me mm. and watched the Grand Prix, the Canadian yeah. Grand Prix, and. It was a very. Funny Have you got nothing better to do with your Sunday? <laughs> no, you got brilliant. nothing better to I went do. Get on to Keel. I, I went to the gym. I went to the gym. It was you watched yeah. the Grand Prix. You yeah. bet your missus sure a good time, don't you, yeah. Rob? <laughs> Come on, Sarah, let's sit down and watch some men drive cars around the track. Oh my word! Hey, hey. Great, great day of sport. <laughs> great day of sport. We had the French Open, which I which oh, I was, that, we had the French fantastic. Open. We had the Canadian Grand Prix. Yep. We had um, Wales Serbia. What a day to be on the sofa. Glass of red wine, had me two French bulldogs next to me and my wife. How does it get any better than I'll be, that? I'll be honest with you, Rob, a Sunday like that would probably turn me back to drink. It <laughs> uh, sounds like a shocking than... day. You've started anyway. off with... Yeah. Oh, well, well, well. What did you start with? The most, Grand Prix, yeah. tennis yeah. and Wales playing football. Yeah. I mean, hey? yeah. No, the tennis was, anyway, was magnificent, anyway, I thought. You didn't, did you see any of Matthew, that? Matthew, this is my thing. But anyway, my wife, so she's watching the, the TV <laughs> and she goes on all these online stuff with, where news people, newspapers write and she loves all that online stuff. And she's seen a guy on the telly and it was Christian Horner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Red Bull... Um, Married to uh, Ginger Spice. So anyway, my wife says... Um, Oh, that guy's married to Jerry Horner, isn't 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 she? I went, yeah. She went, what was his name before they got married? No, <laughs> she did. And there's Love the punchline. I tell you what, now I see why you two are together. I, I see what the attractions are. What? Well, you're not the brightest, are oh, you? Not too bad. It's quite an apt subject. Whoa. This. Oh yeah, exactly. We've got to come back to that. Uh, Fred, so I'm, I'm anticipating a lot here, given mm. that Freddie. No, no, no. I, I've I've had a busy week. Mm-hmm. I've had a busy week. I've had Ooh, one or two up. things to do this week. I got married this week. Ooh. Got married at um, Jewsbury Town Hall, and then <laughs> had the reception at Kirkstall Abbey. Little acting role. Little acting role in the in a BBC drama. No BBC way. One. BBC One. Yeah. You're it, it, acting in a BBC One drama. Oh, I get over it, Matthew. <laughs> I'd use, I'd use the word acting loosely. <laughs> why, why do you use it loosely? I don't know. I'm just, I've seen. Why, why? No, don't, don't be. Seen, come on. I've seen Pacino and Bert. Pacino and Bert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's another one. Be out soon. Pacino yeah, and Bert. Yeah. A little little short film. Yeah. We've discussed before. But I got married this week. It was really weird to be honest, because I, I had to do one at the town hall and then at Kirkstall Abbey. So I'm stood at the front, and then there's people there, mm-hmm. and you only want to get married once, and I've done this. <laughs> And then doing it for a second time, knowing that I'm very happily married, looking at people in an audience I don't know, while <laughs> a girl called Amy Beth Ayers walks down the aisle. Being a Mr. Selfridge. Yeah, Mr. Selfridge. She's a, she's a good actor, mm-hmm. actress. 
and she was walking down the aisle, and it was one of the most weirdest things I've ever done. It was strange. And so there were lights. When you're acting lights. in that kind of a scene, you know, lights to make sure that you're well, lit up. Well, in the dark. Have, <laughs> it, was, it was daylight, yeah. Do they kind of like... Do, do you <laughs> have a, a... Is it a lapel mic that's hidden, or do they hold a... Oh, there's everything everywhere. There's booms hanging on down, and then I've got my mic on. Wow. Makeup, had my hair done. I had oh. tails on and a tie and everything. So you got married? I did, yeah. So, what? Well, the thing I want to know. No, the, the, I know where you're going with this, Robbie. Oh, was, did you was... kiss her? Oh, that's what I want to know. Whoa. Did you kiss her, Ryan? What did you think this film is? <laughs> Well, it's not unusual to kiss somebody after a wedding ceremony, is it? Well, not if he's not your wife. He's not my wife. It's it's acting. There's no mouth-on-mouth action in this particular scene. Why why have you brought it down to this? Because we discussed it on a previous podcast, and you said that your wife might might have a problem with that. There there was a peck, a peck. What was a peck? It was a peck. You showed me on you. Remember you said... Oh, you're just causing trouble, (laughs) Robbie Savage. You know why he's doing this? You know why Robbie's doing this? I'll tell you why. Because today, Robbie Savage had a realisation in the gym that he's losing his earth. (laughs) (laughs) Robbie Savage... Join the club, Roberto. This is karma for all the nonsense he's given you about your shiny bald head. (laughs) Because if you look at Robbie Savage, look at that receding hairline. He's going to be on the phone to Michael Vaughan later saying, Michael, (laughs) can you hook me up at this uh, studio? <laughs> where the air grows back for 18 months and I've got to do it again. <laughs> anyway, back You're to going Penny. bold, Robbie. Back You're going bold. Leave that in, Mike. Are you, are, you find, that in. are you finding it takes longer to wash your forehead? Because <laughs> it is getting bigger. Back You're going to have to get extra Botox on that. So we, were, we were in the gym this week and asked Freddie the question, did you kiss the bride? And obviously, he, do you know what he done? Remember when you were in school and you'd never kissed a girl before and you used to practice on your hand? He no, I, I don't him. remember that, Rob. Did no. you know you did? He was oh, kissing his hands. He, he, he said, is that true? This is fabrication. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Fabrication. No, I was. I, I had some on the back of my hand I licked off. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bit of brown sauce for my breakfast on the back of my hand. I was getting it off. <laughs> You're a knob, you. <laughs> You're a knob. Do you have to discuss it with the person that you... Discuss what? There's nothing happened! No, what? That. Discuss what? Well, how the kiss is going to take place, how you manage to do it without making it too intimate. You want to move on from this, don't you? I'm on the ropes here. I'm on the ropes, Matthew Saeed. First time in the I was podcast. Gonna ask, I was oh, going to ask you what you've done this week. I'm not interested. I just want to change the subject. It's not, it's not an ear, Matthew, <laughs> isn't it? It's, 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 it's like a sauna. <laughs> Um, right, Baldy. <laughs> talking to you, Rob. Should we move on to the first these, uh... topic? Matthew, what have you done? Quickly. Well, I'm conscious that every single time <laughs> I've ever told either of you what I've done on the previous week, there is one single response, which is... <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you, I'll pick up on something you said about what you did yesterday on Sunday. I watched the Nadal-Vavrinka oh, final. I thought I'm with that you. Nadal... Got to tell Unbelievable, you, Nadal, it? he didn't win a Grand Slam for, what, three years? And I wondered if he'd ever have the capacity to do so again after Ledesima. all the injuries. Decima. What a player. Incredible versatility, yeah. mental strength, yeah. resilience. Vavrinka was in good form coming to the fight. I thought Nadal was fantastic. Fred looks as if he's going to fall asleep. But how good was that final? Unbelievable. Decima? La Decima. Ten French Opens. Ten French Opens, Fred. Ten French Opens. But he's won them? Yeah. Never heard of him. Who? Yeah. Dessa. No. <laughs> I haven't. And he's... Well, we're doing <laughs> intelligence as well. It's coming up. But first topic, on England, on Saturday, 
Two all against Scotland, managed to get that draw by the skin of their teeth, a goal by Harry Kane in extra time. The under-20s, let's be fair, they've just won the World Cup. But if you look at the senior men's team, they haven't won a major trophy, haven't got to a final since 1966. So why, one of the biggest questions in sport, why do the England football team consistently underperform? That's, that's my subject, because you, you hear about them all the time. They go into these tournaments and everyone's saying they're going to do this, that and the other. Golden generation. Oh, my word. It's, and then they get to the semi-final. What was that one in Italy? Yep. And they come back like the heroes. You got to the semi-final, you've won nothing. Yeah. I, I don't know, Robbie, you, you're into your football. I saw a little bit of the Scotland match on Saturday. And it, for me, it was rubbish. <laughs> it was absolute <laughs> rubbish. It really was. It was boring. I know there's a few goals at the end. But there was nothing suggesting the magnitude of that game. I'm not having to go to Scotland, lads, here, because I think they did. From the English lads, English lads, I, I, I just but, I don't get it. But you know when you pull on an England cricket shirt or a Matthew, an England table tennis shirt, the England, t- um, the England cricket team perform, don't they? Mm-hmm. You would say the England rugby team have performed winning the World Cup yep. with Johnny Wilkinson's drop goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you would say the only team with... The most outstanding, the most outstanding league in the world, the Premier League. Mm. Yeah, the national team seem to crumble yeah. when they put on that England shirt. The cricketers don't, the rugby players don't. Mm. Why do you think? So that, I think it's worth saying that there is a schism there. A what? The England a there schism? is a there's a that div, there is a divergence between how well that? they... <laughs> that's no that's no well, more help than is it? Let me rephrase. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference oh, hey! between how well the England players perform for their club sides. We've had players win Champions League trophies and all sorts of other things, and how well they play for the national side. Now, Freddie, you're intimating the reason for this is they don't try as hard for I, the I national I don't know team. if it's not trying. There's something wrong because I, I watched England on Saturday play against Australia in a one-day international. Mm. And I saw Ben Stokes. I saw yeah. Owen Morgan, who's not necessarily... Mm-hmm. English in some ways is an Irish lad, but I see these these lads improving all the time. Over a period of time, they've got better and better and better. And you see what it means to them when they're playing for England. You see how much how much value they put on the wicket. Yeah. They don't want to get out. They don't want to give up. They don't want to give anything away. And then I flick over. I turn football on. And he seems a bit of an effort to kick the ball. It's <laughs> like, come on, lads. Yeah, I think England have only won six knockout games. Um, since 1966, mm-hmm. right? Stan's been working hard in major it? tournaments. They, they beat Paraguay, Belgium, Cameroon, Spain, Denmark, and Ecuador. Mm-hmm. That is a, a shocking record. Is there still an arrogance? Do you think from former footballers, from um, a bit of the media, that overhyping? I'm England under 20s won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that, but has yeah. that always been the case where the junior sides do well? Well, not not necessarily, Fred, do they, Matthew? No. Not necessarily, Fred. And I'm going to say Danny Mills. I, I watched the football yesterday on BBC with Mark Chapman, um, Trevor Sinclair and Danny Mills. And this, for me, I think sums up the arrogance of of ex-England players, yeah. of in, you know the English media, possibly. So Danny Mills said, right, so five, five of England's triumphant squad at the under-20 level can still qualify to play for Nigeria at senior level, uh-huh, yeah? Uh-huh. But Danny Mills said, if you've got the opportunity to play for England, you've got to take it. Ultimately, ultimately, the the qualify 
Is this, how, is this how he's been? Is this what it, how he said it? Are you doing? A, are you an impression of Danny Mills? Here? Can he not get his words out neither? I'm, I'm reading it. To he's a right. terrible commentator, isn't uh, Mills? So listen. So he said, just start that one again. So he said, if you've got the opportunity to play for England, you've got to take it. Ultimately, the quality of England for me outweighs the chances you will have for Nigeria. Okay, you might go to the Africa Cup of Nations, you might pick up a medal there, but in terms of competition that really matter on the world stage, the Europeans, the World Cup, England would be your first point of call. I think that's completely utterly an arrogance to say, why, if, if they want to play for Nigeria and win an African Cup of Nations, why wouldn't they? Why, why well, that's like the European Cup for... For an English player, isn't it? It's just as big. If you're African, yeah. playing Correct. African Cup of Nations, yeah. I mean, frankly, you should play for the country that you feel a strongest identification with. I could have played for Pakistan, India, Wales or England in table tennis. I felt an emotional connection with England. That's why I wanted to play for England. But let me just throw this It'd in. It's been easier to play I for Wales, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would have been slightly but easier to play for. But if you got to a semi-final, you've had an open-top bus tour. <laughs> That's how it goes, isn't it? But Celebrate really, mediocrity. I think, I think that... <laughs> I was Welsh, right? You might not know that. I was Welsh, oh, really? born and bred in Wales. Uh-huh. And years ago, when you seen the England lads going off to pray for England, you're thinking, you know, if I had been English, do I think I would have got an England squad? That's what I would have thought And before. you would have concluded, no, you weren't good enough. Oh. <laughs> Get that look. Look at that dagger. Anyway, Andrew. Um, <laughs> anyway, but, and, but now, I don't think, I don't think, you think that anymore because what have England actually achieved? Qualifying great. They're unbeaten the last 35 qualifiers. Yeah, but who, who are you playing in these qualifiers? Who, who are these people? It's a very good point. But, but, okay, but, doesn't but I've this never take, watched doesn't a good qualifier us... in my life. But I think this gives us the answer or gets to the nub of the answer as to why England underperform. They win in the qualification matches. It's when they're on the biggest stage of all, knockout competitions, the major events. That's when they fall apart. I don't think it's because... They're not trying hard enough. I think no. that they're intimidated and cowed by the pressure, the national expectation, the idea that if they lose, if they miss that penalty, they will be the scapegoat. They'll fear, be on the back. Fear of failure. Fear of failure. The, the look French at how, will. Look the at French how, will. The Spanish look, will. Look at the magnet. Look at the. T- okay, the I'll come papers. back to that. I'm going to come back marker, to that. Marker. Yeah. I'm sure they have would hammer the Spanish. No, I agree. The French paper is yeah. called what? A f- well, they keep La France. But hammer the French, the German papers. Yeah, but okay. They'd um, hammer the Germans. Let's side. rewind. Let's rewind to that. But would you agree that when you watch England playing against Iceland at the Euros, they froze? They froze when they went a goal down. They froze. That. Yeah, just like it. Hey. Against Algeria at the World Cup of Cape Town. That's the best thing you've ever said. <laughs> just leave it there, Matthew. Walk out now. Go okay. home. I'm stopping. Yeah, but they froze. <laughs> hey, did it? But uh, and look and look at how look at the collective meltdown at the World Cup in two thousand and ten. Again and again, what I think I see is footballers who have great capacity, who are pretty skilled, who if they were playing to their full potential, might be able to get to the later stages of a major competition, have a better track record in knockout matches rather than the one that you read out a minute ago, Rob. But instead, they're falling apart. I think the cliche that they don't care about England... That's no, nonsense. It's, it's nonsense. Yeah. And it's subverted by the emotions that you see on their faces when they're trudging off at the end of a game that they've just lost. Ask, the yeah. qu- so I think what we need... 
is a change in the way that these players are trained and equipped psychologically to deal with the pressure on the ground stage. Freddie, last week, talked about playing in the Ashes. He loved it. He stepped up. He would be in the dressing room. He would see certain people who were likely to be crumbly. He could see that in their body language. You can see that in the England football team. Do you think in football, then? Do you think with the England... Listen, I, I'm with you two as well. It's nonsense. They don't care. They don't try. Of course they do. Of course they want to do their best. But in the cricket, Fred, you know, if you're playing for Lancashire, Yorkshire... Durham, Surrey, Sussex. You know, when you met up, was there clicks? Was there people going in corners and their groups? You know, because football's so tribal, Liverpool, Manchester United, Man City, and True. you're with your mates. And maybe when I play for Wales, it happened at times where you were, you know, there was little clicks when you go for dinner. Would that happen in cricket? No. At all? Not, not that there would be clicks, but that's just more human nature. But there's not going to be a click because Counting. you're a Surrey player, yeah. I'm a Lancashire player, or. Nobody cares. You're playing, you're playing for England. This is the pinnacle of your career. And I reckon, off the top of my head, I've got a couple of reasons why England underperform. Oh. One is, first... That's a lot more. How, how, how many clubs did you play for? I choose not to acknowledge you. Right. How many it. clubs did you play for? Um, seven, I think it was. Oh, there you go, seven clubs. So you don't really care about any of them. And this is the problem... This <laughs> is the, no, but this is the problem with football. You don't nail your allegiance to one club. You don't know what it's like to be loyal. They don't know what it's like to play for the badge. They jump on a lion's back for an extra fiver. You don't get that playing with England. The other thing, which I'm just thinking about now off the top of my head, I'm going to relate the English football team to the under-13 cricket team I coach. Mm -hmm. All right? For the simple reason, I coach at Oldley a very good group of lads. And it dawned on me in the past two games, these lads have never experienced... Sides pushing back at them, sides getting on top of them, sides nearly beating them. When when these kids, and it's a learning curve for them, when these kids are on top of a side, are winning, they're cock-a-hoop, they're everywhere, they've got a lot of energy, there's a lot of encouragement, everybody wants to get involved in the game. As soon as the sides start pushing back and getting on top of them, mm -hmm. because they've never experienced it, they retract. Mm. They don't do much. They hide a little bit because they don't know what to do. It's not a slur on them. They've not experienced it. Mm. And I'm going to put it to footballers in this, from being young kids... They're taking on the bulk of England players are at the big clubs. There's yeah. no adversity. They play against teams. They play against with some of the best players in the world from all around the world and be part of a sides who win all the time. That's why I think Man City have struggled with recent sides. Sides have pushed back against them and United. And I think with England, they turn up to these games. If it's easy or they, if they get on a roll of doing well, they'll walk over teams. But teams push back. When they get pushed, their buttons... They've not experienced this before and they don't know what to do. And it seems to me what they are doing is crumbling. And I think that there's a lot to be blamed on coaching for this. I mean, you coach a, a cricket team. I think we should give players more responsibility in football. It's like the coach is a sergeant major, the general, who tells them what the tactics are, how they're going to train, how long they're going to train, if they're injured, what the rehabilitation's going to look like. The players are spoon-fed. When they have to do their studies, they have a private tutor come in and they everything is laid out on a plate and they're not developing as human beings, as leaders. They're not developing those human qualities that you're describing that enable you, under pressure, yeah. to adapt and to step up. I think we need much more human training in football so that these people can develop as characters and not just as footballers, because it's you need character when you're under pressure on the big stage, Robbie. I look at Wales and... Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to come there and smash your head in a minute. <laughs> 
What kind of what kind of whales? Well, whales. Killer whales. <laughs> Blue whales. Oh. <laughs> but looking at looking at the England team, right? Majority, I everyone. You look probably, at Wales. Why are we looking yeah, at these? Playing the Premier League. <laughs> put them off. Playing for the big clubs. Yeah. Wales went to the Euros. Could you name the, half the Wales side? Could you name any of the Wales I couldn't side? Couldn't name half the England team. To be honest, <laughs> it's, it's a bad, it's a bad. Yeah, but could you? Who's won that? Yeah, I've never heard of him for England. Well, funnily enough, they probably got what one star player. Well, and yet they were good as a team. Is the point you're making? The team spirit, the togetherness. That's a good point. Fighting against adversity. Yeah, nobody expected them to do well, but they had this. This they have fun mm. when they're together. Maybe, well, maybe that's because the press get behind. I, is this analogy? Of the press being against the uh, the, the English national the, the, team, the press are responsive. The, yeah. the press press respond to what they are seeing. Mm-hmm. If they do well, they've got to write and do well. All right, it might be an harder article to write, but if they do badly, that's what else are you going to write about? But getting back to Wales with team spirit, I'd imagine. Don't you will probably correct me on this. A lot of the Welsh football was don't play top flight football. You would say, yeah, there's 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 a few that there's a few that don't know. So you've got Chris Gunter, who's, who's become the third most capped Welsh player. I think has got I think seventy nine eighty caps. Plays for Reading in the championship. You've got um, Sam Volks, who plays for Burnley. You know they got Ramsey and Allen. They've got obviously the star man Gareth Bale. You know Ledley Chris. You would say the majority of the squad is Premier League, but not regulars but, in the but, top but, side. What, in what, the what, what I'm saying is these lads have had experience of the game from every angle. They've had success, they've had adversity, and all that coming together has got to help when you're going into these big fixtures where the England lads, to me, don't feel like they've experienced any of that. Was there a magic ingredient when you won the Ashes that time, when it lifted the nation? There seemed to be an incredible chemistry within the team, or was that a consequence of your success rather than a cause of it? I reckon as a team, it started three, four years previous mm-hmm. where we kept building up. And to play Australia in 2005 was the correct time for us to play them. Mm. We were a young side. Mm. We'd beaten everyone in the world. The final hurdle was Australia. And that's the only side we had left to beat. I don't, I'm not quite sure. Well, I am sure. When we turned up, we probably didn't think we could beat them. But we thought, you know what, we'll have a go. It's one of the best Australian sides in yeah, history. But we'll have mm. a go, you know. And then you look at it and you think, well... It's going to be hard at times, of course it is. They're going to get on top of us at times. But coming from a cricket background, you've had the hard times. Yeah. You've experienced it before. We Our biggest skill as a side, we used to call bounce-back ability. Mm-hmm. If we got beat, we'd come back 10 times stronger the next game. Mm. And I don't see that really, the football. You know, do those players, Matthew, so the England players, yeah, as a, from a psychology point of view, do you think... As good as they are, and as Ferry's alluded to, they all play for top teams and will have the coach of the football clubs, Pep Guardiola, um, Jurgen Klopp, um, Jose Mourinho. Top, top coaches, Conte at Chelsea, will will coach these players from week to week. When they go with England, and they've had, in recent times, Steve McLaren, Mm -hmm. Roy Hodgson, now they've got Gareth Southgate... Those players, when they get together, won't need coaching, will they? They'll just need organising. Yeah, and look, let's be honest. Mourinho, Conte, the Premier League coaches are not developing very much the technical skills of their players because technical skills take years to develop. I mean, that happens between the ages of 6 and 20. It's not suddenly Conte come in and suddenly you're able to play two-footed football or you're able to head of the ball that you haven't practised for. They make tactical changes and psychological changes. I wonder, I'll throw this your way, Robbie, 
in the 70s and 80s and 90s, a lot of young people in England were playing on full-size pitches, which meant that if you wanted to win at youth football, you hoofed it up to a tall front man who tried to head it into the net. In Spain, in Brazil, and in other countries, they were playing on smaller, tighter pitches, which rewarded technical sp- skill, perceptual awareness. And I wonder if that has had an impact, a long-term impact on the development of English football. Well, you, you look at the players who are playing for England and you say technical abilities. Some of them. Oh, yeah. un- unbelievable. Sure. But surely... Not all, not all of them, though, Fred. Not compared to Spain. Yeah, but you, you look at the Premier League and they say it's the strongest league in the world, but it's not serving the England team particularly well. Yeah. And then you, you, you relate it to cricket. If I, if I was in charge of cricket, for the good of the national team, I would have every captain of the 18 counties eligible to play for England. Mm-hmm. has to be an Englishman who's playing for England. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, England are picking from 18 mm-hmm. players. One of the problems we've had with spin bowlers over the years is we can't really find spin bowlers. Mm. So every spinner who plays for a county has to be English qualified. Yep. So all of a sudden, you've got 18 spinners you're choosing from. Mm. So more and more English players, not these cold packs, not we're in football... Well, you've had sides fielded with not one English player. Will any of these under-20s actually get Premier League first-team action? Well, I'm going back to the not this under-20 squad that won the World Cup, but the England under-20 squad in the last World Cup. And the players from that um, side, yeah, the key names that stand out, John Stones, James Ward-Prowse, Harry Kane, Eric Dyer, John Flanagan, Ross Barkley. Mm-hmm. So... Very, very good players there, yeah, who've gone on to f- be, well, John Stone's £50 million. Pounds. So it just goes to show, if you do well for the 20, you you can go forward and have a fantastic career. Looking at that squad now, um, um, who's just won it, looking at the names, Freddie Woodman, who say that penalty, he's at Newcastle, doesn't play regular football. The majority of that side that's won the tournament, you've got Luckman, was 11 million quid, joined Everton. Does he play regular football? No. Um I'm just going through it now. Josh Onomar, Spurs, doesn't play a regular. Lewis Cook at Bournemouth probably does. Adam Armstrong at Newcastle. Um, he's been on loan at Barnsley, doesn't play regular football for Newcastle. So Dominic Calvert-Luna scored the winning goal in the World Cup final, yep. doesn't play a regular. So how many of those players now will get an opportunity to play regular in the first team yep. of their clubs, the top clubs, but they'll just go and buy... I mean, but that, that's a structural problem about the relationship between the FA and the Premier League. The Premier League clubs are only interested in winning, and if they can buy in a cheap or a reasonably priced foreign player who can add to the team, they're not going to bring the youth through because managers' time horizons in the Premier League it's only yeah, but, six but months. I've just, but all now so, I've seen, I've seen now from a, from a Welsh perspective. And listen, I'm one of these people that if England play or Northern Ireland play or Scotland play or Republic of Ireland play, I want them to do well. I really do. And I was delighted that they won the World Cup in the 20s. Mm. But everybody seems to be jumping on the bandwagon and saying, this under-20 squad, yeah, in the future they'll be brilliant. But but it doesn't necessarily relate to doing well for the senior national team. But in, in another way, them lads who you just mentioned, who don't play regular football... There's got to be a hunger from them lads to yep. perform well for the under-20s. That could be career-changing for a lot of them lads. So when what what is the attitude like when you go from club to country? Is is there that hunger yep. when you're a senior player? Is is it there? Did he turn up? Did he get the phone call and think, oh, my word, I've got to go to Scotland on Saturday play against them? <laughs> or, is, or is it like, yeah. 
I'm playing against Scotland on Sunday. Mm. You know, a bit of acting, and I did two different versions. <laughs> um, but is, is 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 that what it's like? I, I, I don't it's, know it's, because it's, then it's, it's, did, look, I've got to tell you, in table tennis, point, England was the pinnacle. I think England was the pinnacle in football for English players until recently. But now I'm not. What do you think, Robbie? I think now, I think Premier League football and the rewards and the, you know, I would say, and this might be a controversial thing, would you say the Champions League has more quality than the World Cup? Yeah, probably in depth. In depth, but I, I, still, would, I, I would say I still think so. winning the World Cup probably is the peak. Probably, yes, probably. Um, but I think the only time, Fred, for me that happened was at this stage of the season. The Wales squads were announced. You've got eight weeks off in the summer. But how, how did you feel when you got the phone call saying, Rob, you're off to Azerbaijan to play against them or something? <laughs> but, how did you feel? In the When it was the qualifiers, great, brilliant. But in the summer, I remember getting a phone call. We were going to um, um, Egypt and Tunisia and it was going to be a two-week trip. I had the phone call and thought, wow, I don't want to go. I want to spend time with my family and be at home. Wow. So, really? Yeah. In You're the, home all winter. Yeah. Two weeks. Now, you used to go uh, away yeah. for three and because a half months. You've had a long, hard season. You've had a long, hard season. Oh, you poor thing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean a long, hard season? <laughs> but seriously, the pressures. By your own admission, you didn't touch the ball in your best games. <laughs> what do you mean an hard season? The mental the mental strength of keeping teams in the Premier 90 League. minutes a week. Yeah, yeah. 90 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. But listen, when you get a phone call at the end of a long, hard season, all you want to do is go and put your feet up on the beach with your family, with your kids. The last thing I wanted to be doing was to be going to play two meaningless friendlies yeah. You're not meaningless. You're playing for Wales. Meaningless. You're from Wrexham. How can it be meaningless? How can you put on that jersey, walk out with the badge, have them all singing Bread of Heaven, (laughs) and it means absolutely nothing to you? You'd sooner be on a beach than play in front of 40,000 people. The thing that you, by your own admission, said you wanted to do as a child, the sacrifices you've spoken about. Not get not losing your virginity to twenty five because of football, and now you're saying now you're saying it's meaningless. Uh, you had it in the rapper all them years, and now you're saying it's meaningless. You in the mood today? I just don't I'm get it. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Listen. It's a great fight, Robbie. What? You're a proud Welshman. You've been building but up you to start, this day, Baldy. and then. <laughs> How can you not want to be that's there? Rich as well. Listen, Come on, contradiction. This, this podcast is all about being honest. It is. And oh, the, end and by the, season, honesty. At the end the honesty. of the season, when I got that phone call to say, oh, there's, you're in the squad, I used to go and think, I'm just going to phone up and I'm going to say, I've torn my hamstring or I've got, I'm injured. I'll phone the club club up and say, Gaffer, do us a favour, just say I'm not available. Bad idea. Does that, that happen? Well, I don't know. I, I happened to me. I've asked the Gaffer at times. At the end of the season, at the end of the season only, really I'd rather I'd rather my body recover yeah. because my my thought process yeah. was... I spent my career pretending I wasn't injured. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the season, my thought process was, right, I've got to be as fresh as I can yeah. to start the season with my football club because they'll buy players and if I get injured... You probably didn't even know who your club was, you'd have been moving anyway. <laughs> <laughs> my thought process, Ben, <laughs> if what, I what, go you, away... Do you, do you get a, like a... A map and then just... <laughs> That's where I'm going. So just yeah, close your eyes and put a stick in it. If I might, if I got injured, then in what, those meaningless friendlies in the season... They're not meaningless, you're playing for Wales! For me, so, you're, so you're thinking to yourself, I've got a limited career, I want to provide for my family. If I play these friendlies, my body might break down, 
on. It's a long season. Yeah. I, I At the end of, of the season, that, to a certain extent. Robbie, how this is look, let me just say, you're yeah. taking a bit of a dig here, but the honesty is incredible. How common would it be, do you think, for first team players to say, you know what, say to the physio or to the first team manager, you know what, I've got a bit of a pull here. I think haven't really, but tell the national team. I'm already team speaking to... from my perspective, yeah. and I don't know what other players done, but I would say for me. May have had, have, have had a 38 game season. I've played internationals in that season, or 50 game season. Well, how, how, how did you feel about the internationals during the oh, season? Oh, I couldn't wait to go. I was the first there, mm-hmm. drive there first there, because they were they were internationals that had something on them. I mean, actually, Ferguson used to pull Manchester United players out all the time. I mean, he used to, I mean, I know I mentioned but, Alex Ferguson again, yeah. but but he did. And people, the allegation was they're not really injured. What you're saying, I mean, maybe this in a funny kind of way, contradicts a bit of what we were saying earlier, that we were saying these England players really want it, that they're passionate well, I about think they're doing, I think they, they do. They probably are, but it looks to me as if maybe there's a slight edge that is lacking. You know what, I was going back to the point earlier when you two rudely interrupted me <laughs> and got me once again in this podcast, um, about the managers, when I'm saying, will they be, need coaching, they need yeah. organising. Some of the tactical decisions I've seen in the Euros from um, Roy Hodgson when he, when he played a, a weaker side in a game which if they won, you know, they would have won the group. Do you remember? But mm. Wales won the group and had an easier run. And obviously, listen, England lost to Iceland, which was nonsense. And then he brought Rashford on with five minutes to go when he was the best player in the park. So mm. would you say that those group of players have gone out there and done their best, but the managers have had no leadership? I, I think you can't. Look, look at the managers that they've had for the England team. Like Ron Greenwood... Then they said, oh, we need to have something. They had Keegan, McLaren, Capello, one of the most highly regarded managers in the world, Ericsson, um, Hodgson. Why they have they everything. all failed? Right, the reason they've all failed is there's some underlying psychological problem with the England players, which we're trying to get to the nub of here. And I think it is actually quite difficult to do so because on the one hand, we've said at the beginning... They want to play well. They're passionate. And now we're saying maybe there is an edge that is lacking for some players some of the time. And to be fair, you're saying it's only those friendlies at the end of the season that you don't want to play. Yeah, exactly. Um, my, I still think that there is a... I mean, look at the penalty taking of, of the England players. That indicates that the capacity to do what some of the cricketers do so well, which is perform to the highest ability under pressure, is something that the England footballers are struggling to do. And it is a consistent theme. It probably isn't just the fact that they get vilified when they lose, because you're right. In Spain, in Italy, in South America, okay. people who lose get absolutely hammered. Let me ask you to this question then. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in table tennis, you said the pinnacle was to play for England. In cricket, the pinnacle was to play for um, England. Yeah. In rugby union, you would say the pinnacle is to play for England. It's all international. Yeah. In football, would you say the pinnacle is playing for Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, week in, week out, and trying to win the Champions League, where the money is greater? Because in cricket, playing for your, for Surrey or for Lancashire, the, the... The money's greater playing for England. You get paid for England. There you go. You get So in cricket and, I don't know if, rugby union... The incentives playing for your country is probably more than playing for your club side. In football, the incentives, money-wise, is playing for your club, not your country. Mm. Is that not a good point? But I, yeah. I, I question motive a little bit. Everyone talks about the clubs that they played for as, or grew up watching as kids or the places that they grew up and they wanted to play for that team. But then they, they get a better offer and they, they nip off somewhere else. So for me, the motives to why people play for clubs is... 
purely money. It's the highest bidder. Mm. And then they go and play for the country. Then a bit mixed up. It's well, we're not getting paid here. Mm. You know, playing playing for England. Is that that should be the pinnacle. That's the one. That's the one time you get to represent that country, that place that hopefully means so much to you in a sporting thing. Not playing for your club. I, I just can't get my head around it. I, I, I will agree with you a little bit on playing some international oh, games. That's nice. Because I, I <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, thanks. I, I played, First. but like pre-season, we used to play against Scotland, which was a it was a bit of a chore to be honest. Because you go up to Scotland mm. <laughs> and and cricket. Yeah, then you play at the Grange, and it's just it's just a day out for the Scots just to vent anger at the English, and you play, and it's a bit of a banana skin. But the only thing which I, I didn't want, this is why I wanted to play every game, was because irrespective of who's it against, whether it's a friendly, whether it's a proper game, I did not want anyone to have a chance at taking my position. That was my position. I played and I'd earned that spot. Yep. And I'm not going to feign injury and I'm not going to say I don't fancy it. I'm not going to play and give somebody else mm. a go to bowl first change, bat number six or five in a one day and do what I do. That's my job. Mm. So that's one of the reasons that. Here's, what, here's another for you. I'm just coming to question at you two because you are both a lot cleverer than me. So in terms of Fred, <laughs> in terms of in terms of playing, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get to the end of this debate and figure out why yeah. England, with all the superstars they got and all the great players they had over the course of the years, have only won six games since 1966, mm-hmm. which is unbelievable, it's mind-boggling. So Not you know, in, you know, in in cricket, you are. I'm saying you because you're here, um, Freddie Flintoff, because everybody recognised you from England, the England national team, yeah? Yeah. The players who never played for England but aspired to, so for Surrey, for Lancashire, for Yorkshire, those players, unless they played in their national team, wouldn't nobody would know who they were, would they? Unless you are really into like cricket. Cricket, cricket alerts. Yeah, cricket, yeah. but in terms of the general public. With footballers, you try and play for England... Yeah, mm-hmm. if you're not good enough, you'll still be a household name because of the Premier League. That's true. Yeah, so is the aspirations of cricketers to play for the national team the be all and end all because the, no, the, the, the this, financial this, reward? No, and this because is, this is what I was trying. To, this is what I tried to say a second ago, but didn't put it across particularly well. Yeah, I thought that was <laughs> the the motive behind trying to play for England. If if your motive to play for me was never. Oh, someone might recognise me in the street. No, I'm just or saying, I'm just trying to work it out. My motive was, I want to play for England. I want to play for Lancashire. I'm sure these footballers do. Of course they do. You it, was, the... it was never, well, if, if I don't play for England, they're not going to recognise me in Morrison's. It, yeah, but I'm just like, trying to... I'm I was just... wanting to play. That, that was first and foremost. Everything else just is a byproduct of it. Yeah, because growing up, my, my first aim as a kid was to play for Liverpool mm-hmm. or Manchester United. Yeah. yeah? Or play... Premier League football at the time. Wait, was did you not see that as a step, stepping stone to playing international? And then if international accolades come, that was brilliant. That was amazing. Because I went to play for England and Lancashire. But Lancashire is a stepping stone to playing for England. Yeah, but growing up first... So why do footballers... This this is, is playing club football for United or City. Obviously, you want to do well and perform and win things. But the obvious difference is... That isn't a stepping stone, it seems, or either players think about it to playing for the national side. I'll tell you, I think it's 
listening to this discussion, yeah. I, I think we've gone through all, well. We've gone through all of the usual suspects, and we've deconstructed them. We've had some really interesting insight from you about getting the phone call to play for the national team. Sometimes when you're desperate to do so during a season, the irrelevant friendlies, not so much. Um, I think we should do a poll on hashtag Fred Sav's side and throw it out there. See what the public think. Is it to do with the incentives? Is it some structural problem with the Premier League where young English players are not getting a chance? The lack of a winter break, another structural problem in the Premier League. Is it some abiding psychological deficiency of the kind that I happen to lean towards? Is it something to do with the coaching? Either what, the if, youth what if coaching? it's something just very simple? Go on. We're not that good. Yeah. But why? Because they well, should no, be. We can't be because we've not been for years. But they should be. They got, they've got everything there. They've got the best facilities at their clubs. Yeah. They've got the they can they've got the best nutrition. They've got everything. And they and they they've got everything. Know, but it's fine. You can have someone telling you what to eat. But if you can't kick it straight, you're struggling. Yeah, but United won the Champions League with a majority of English players. And was it a majority in '99 when they won? Oh, a few, Beckham, yeah, Scholes. Yeah. Actually, Scholes didn't make the final, did he? Oof. Next topic. That was heavy topic. Oh, that one, we, we did it there. BBC Five Live. Beyond Reasonable Doubt, the programme, the podcast. Coming soon from Five Live. BBC. Radio Five Live. Five Live. Um, so this is yours, Rob. Oh, oh here you go. What here we go. I've got to tell you, I love this topic. What rules would you change bit of to make sport better? So it's a bit of fun, this yep. one as Unless well. Unless you come up with a rule that might get implemented. Right. This might sound a bit strange, but I've got... Um, <laughs> The F1 to start with. Yeah. I watched the F1 yesterday oh, with just, my wife on the sofa the with the French Bulldogs and a glass of red wine <laughs> in between the French tennis and the Wales. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? As soon as Hamilton sets off, yep. he's won. Mm-hmm. He's won. He's got the best car. He's a good driver. He's won, won it. So F1, I do enjoy it. I do like it. Every car should be the same. Oh, I like it. Every car should be the same. Test of the drivers. Test of the driver. And for... And for as long as it's safe, I'd have a part of the tr- track wet. I'd have sprinklers yeah, on the yeah. track. Yeah, test of evil. If it's safe uh, and, and right, whether they've got slicks or whatever grade of tyre, a couple of tyre stops. But that would make it the best driver, you know, wet, part of the track being wet. It would be entertaining. Yeah. It'd be, it would be a great spectacle. Instead, I'm watching it yesterday, and I do love it. Hamilton goes off into the distance, game over, turn over, off you go. I like it. I mean, the only thing that I think Anorex from Formula One would say is it's not just a test of drivers. They love the battle between the engineers. All of the data crunching and the changing of the aerodynamics and the engine and the test cells. They love all of that. I mean, for me, I'm with you, Robbie. The spectacle is worse when there is a dominant car. Somebody gets it. It's processional. It's boring. So so far... You said nothing to suggest that this should be a sport. <laughs> you, you te- you're telling me you've got to change... Right, essentially, it's a, it's a sport about cars and manufacturers, but that doesn't work, so let's have all the same car. And this is how bad Formula One is. <laughs> this is the best you can do. Let's sprinkle a little bit of water on the track. <laughs> really? Why don't we just get rid of it? <laughs> Why don't I, I've said it before. Just say we've got it wrong. Go to Keel. It's, 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 it's no good. Go to the bridge at Keel. There's someone telling now. There's people driving round in a track. <laughs> what about this one? In the name of entertainment. <laughs> what about in football? Because I think we've got... So can we say Formula One can't be improved? 
I think it can it's be. It's dead in the water. It can it's, be. it's gone. It's rubbish. But you look at the you look at the MotoGP, the motorbikes. How entertaining is that? Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant, Fred. I don't, you, you might say they haven't got the same bike. When was but the last time you went to a MotoGP? I went to. Have you um, been? No, I've not been, but I do Have watch you ever it. Seen it? Is it better? I don't, I don't know. Is it better live? Oh, I, mean, I, I used to go to British Superbikes a lot. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. Un- my 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 mate used to have a team in the in the British Superbikes. Much just, more overtaking. It's brilliant, Fred. It's much more yeah. exciting. MotoGP, football. Yep. You can knock me down this one. <laughs> the boss already has. Um, yeah. So, nil nil draws in the Premier League or in football in general, no points. Instead of getting one point, as instead they of getting one point, score Ooh. draw get a point. So to put the emphasis on scoring, trying Just to encourage more entertainment. Us, tell you what, think about how football improved when, for a win, it went from two points to three yep. points. Massive change, improved the dynamic of the Premier League. What would be the unintended consequences? What but, would be the unintended consequence was if you're <laughs> mid-table, end of the season, <laughs> right? You're mid-table, you've got nothing to play for and you're playing against a side who are desperately trying to stay up. Uh-huh. That's a fair point. Need and a then point. there might yeah. be a local rival. You just put 11 men behind and you just ruin the game. We don't need points. Hey, they true. need them. Off you that's go, lads. So it's, it's, uh, that's brilliant. I heard that before that, in the office somewhere. That is spot on, <laughs> that's Freddie. Why, that's, why, that's why I'm here. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> throwing it out there, Matthew, for a bit more excitement, a bit more entertainment, because all we hear in, re- in recent years, part the bus. Yep. And that's what I'm hearing. So that was just maybe a... a, a a change. Yeah, people like not people might hate it. People might think good idea, yeah. Sav, for the first time ever on this podcast. I think Freddie's just absolutely not. I don't think I have. I think I've I've come up with a flaw for it. Flaw for it. But do you think? Well, I, you... I reckon it'd make it better. Do you what think... about what about golf? Why do they not enforce the time rule on golf? Yeah. They wiggle, they waggle. When it's a putt, they check the line, they check the length, they check the sun, they check the atmospheric pressure, they check the wind, they walk back and forward. You st- stood there watching on TV thinking, when are they going to hit the ball? They do- it's a joke. Why are you getting aggressive? <laughs> I, I, no, carry on, Jim, yeah, Jim Furyk, yeah. Bernard <laughs> Langer, Keegan Bradley, they take so long. By the way, on time wasting, I love Novak Djokovic, really admire him. He bounces the ball 20 times before he serves. So the TV directors now, they do a shot of the crowd, they do a shot of his wife, they do a shot of his coach, they do a shot of his opponent. He's still bouncing the ball. Then they go over to it. People forget how many times he bounces the ball because the TV directors cut it out of the edit now. That's how good tennis is. That is how good it is. You sat watching it all day, you're watching a man bounce the ball. (laughs) And that's probably the best bit of it. One of the things I get rid of tennis is, is then people are like looking like they're on the toilet. No, they're crouching and they're looking at the line. The, the line judges. Line judges. They're like retired people. <laughs> These kids, most of them are. Well, exactly, but surely this is being filmed. What about the umpire? Well, why, why don't you just What about use... the umpires in cricket? The square leg umpire. We went into this last no, week with, for the, cricket, with the jersey. I go for cricket. You can't right? improve. You can't improve on perfection. The county championship. <laughs> yep. The county championship, right? Seriously, you could go to a county championship dozen game now watching. and there's a dozen people watching. Six will be asleep, right? <laughs> Why not change the rules of county championship? Tip and run. Hey, hit the ball, run. you've got to run. What, hit and run? Hit and run. Oh, we used to do that, yeah. There you go. Why not? Hit and run. But you're saying <laughs> it's got saying. a problem to play tip and run. What do you mean play tip and run? Hit and run. This is coming from a man yeah. who showed his missus a good time yesterday by watching the Grand Prix <laughs> tennis, followed by, but what was it? Wait, Wales. But and you're a... having a go at somebody's sport. You're hey, having a go at the... Oh. But, Freddie, county cricket is not yeah, getting saying. the numbers that's what I'm saying, Matthew. that it used to. How can you... Hit and run would be great. You'd have shorter games, you'd have bigger crowds, hit the ball, you've got to run. 
You, people try and hit more fours, hit more sixes. The games will be quicker. Listen, it might be an absolutely nonsensical idea. It is. But they, they might start leaving the ball, padding it, all sorts of well, stuff like that. Yeah, but so they can still it's if an clever. One. Oh, is it? Yeah, I quite like it. Oh, I quite like it. Oh, wow. Do you really? I mean, really? Freddy. Really, Matthew? Well, <laughs> do I like that? <laughs> yeah, I do. I can't believe this is coming out your Matthew, mouth. The Times Journalist, who's wrote Bounce and Black Box Thinking, <laughs> likes that, Andrew. Mm. Yeah. I worry about the camera. That's why he's working with us, <laughs> resurrecting his career after them shocking books. Hey, he wasn't getting booked for speaking engagements before this podcast started. All of a sudden, he's tweeting pictures with Richard Branston. Hey, he's at it all the time. What would you change, Fred? You must have some good What, ones. in cricket? No, in any sport. Any rule in, changes. In any, in any sport? Well, I, with the risk of going into the next subject, I'd educate footballers. <laughs> I think I think that's a must. I think to play, you've got to have at least one GCSE. <laughs> it's like, and it can't be in drama or needlework. <laughs> Any one of the big ones, maths or English or something. <laughs> you know, we're talking about li- we're talking about people who now can't stand where they're told. They have to spread <laughs> a line on the floor. I'm sorry, but. Let's have a grip. So that, that's that's football covered. <laughs> Any other sports? Uh, what about? I'll tell you one thing. A serious one in football. If a player has a pop at the referee, give them a red card. It's supposed to happen, isn't it? Hey, by the way, to... when the uh, managers have a go at the fourth official, constantly berating every single decision, they go with the fourth referee. It doesn't make any difference, but they will have a go. Send them to the stands. It's about time, right? Yeah. And what about all this grappling in the box? They said they're, they were going to crack sport, down. They're on... supposed to have cracked down on it. What other sports? What other sports we got? Huh? Think of a sport. What other sports we got? What darts? <laughs> you, can't, you can't improve on darts. No, you can't, you improve, can't improve, on improve on it. Can't improve on darts. Only way you'll improve on darts is cloning Phil Taylor. You can't improve <laughs> on darts. That's the only way. Yeah. Boxing. Boxing. I, I'd stop all that chat beforehand. It's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself, lads. The trash talk. Do you, do you, do you know, there's a serious one on boxing, mm. right? And I've I've been thinking about this, and it, it, this is serious. Is boxing not like two, three hundred years ago? What? Is it not? We, we, we see a lot of things that like are happening. Primitive. Yeah, we, we, we watch things that happen in the world now, and everyone's on the PC brigade and all that. This is a sport. Think about it. Where two men or women now are in the ring, punching each other in the head until they fall over. With the objective to make the other person unconscious. Unconscious, and they'll quite brazenly say it before the fight, I'm going to knock his lights out. Is that that right? I've done it, but is is it right? Well, I have to say I struggle with it, ethically. I mean, I... I enjoy it. (laughs) I mean, I've loved boxing all my life, but I have to say, I watch it now. The first time it really hit me, Fred, was I went to Bethnal Green, watched the bout, and when you're up close by the ropes and you can see the blood and you can hear the sound of a glove fist hitting a human mm. jaw, you suddenly think, my goodness. And then this guy got stretched out and within seconds people were cheering the next people coming in. Look, I know a lot of people love boxing and you'll get, you know, it's easy to get criticised by saying you have a bit of a moral concern. It's, I feel deeply ambivalent about it for sure. But when it, you've got someone on the mat at the end of a fight completely out cold mm. and they're trying to bring him back and I'm... I'm yes, it's, just quite, it's definitely questionable. Here's a serious one. Tennis. Why do people get two serves? I was going to say, one serve... Bowling, you know, getting out and saying, oh, let's, let me have another go. One serve. I was going to say, that was my next one. Tennis, one serve. Who come up with points? But yeah, why, why do you get love. fifteen? Yeah. <laughs> why get fifteen thirty? And then they say love. What's that about? Know, but in the tie break, it's first to seven. Yeah, 
Bizarre. Hey, by the way, the only the only <laughs> downside of having one serve in tennis yeah. is you would lose serve and volley. People like to f- do a, a, an aggressive, risky first serve and then come to you the You don't net. see much serve and volley now, Matthew. Exactly. And I think you'd lose it altogether oh, if right you only right. had just, one I've serve. Just, I've just made a good point there and you've just... No, I agree with you. But you need to have. But, a, but there's, you need not, to have... there's not much serve and volley now, are We gone other days of Boris Beckham smashing one down, diving at the net. You know, uh, remember um, who else was there? Who serve and volley? Edberg. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant serve Ed, and volley. Henman. Yeah, but <laughs> gone are the days. What about gum? I think tennis, one serve, because that would stop the ball bouncing, as well a little bit, would it? Well, probably you not. You wouldn't bounce the balls. I, mean, I also think that with the uh, with the two serves. You get that beautiful aesthetic of the ace. With only the second serve, you're unlikely to. Yeah, but get any when aces. you go to Wimbledon, when you go to Wimbledon, the fast grass court, you see the big servers, Goran Ivanisevic. You've seen who's that big American, um, John Osner. What's his Isner. name? Isner. John Isner. Fred at Wimbledon throw the ball up, smashes it, ace. Yeah, and so there are 30 or 40 aces. Boring. Well, that was... It serves you right for going. But it's, it was at its worst when <laughs> Sam Brass played even this of it yeah. in the Wimbledon final. Ace, it ace, was ace, dom- ace, It was ace. absolutely the dullest game I've ever seen. But now they've slowed the ball down. The grass is slightly slower. You do get decent rallies at Wimbledon now. By I the way, the reason... I would say... Do you know why they brought in the two serves in tennis? No. no. Because when tennis was started as a game all those years ago... the Real balls, tennis? I, do you know, I'm not sure if it's real tennis or lawn tennis, but the balls were so bad that they would say, look, if, you, if you've got a terrible ball, you better have a second chance to serve it in, otherwise we're not going to get really? any Really? That's that true? Well, that's what Mike's just, the producer just said. He's nodding his head vigorously. But there's other sports which need livening up a bit, isn't there? Like the marathon. <laughs> oh. The marathon. How boring is that? We got, how can you Just watching li- people run. How can you live <laughs> in the marathon? How can you live in the marathon? I, I reckon set them off, right? <laughs> Can't wait for this. Set one. them off, and then half an hour in, let some dogs go. <laughs> right? So so the dogs are chasing the marathon runners. And if if you don't if you don't keep up, you get bit. <laughs> just, just, just keep going. Set like <laughs> Rottweilers or something. What about canoeing? Canoeing? How is you live that off? Canoeing, <laughs> rowing, uh, rowing. Well, we've, yeah. Can you liven? How, that how up? can you live a liven a sport up which has got Steve Redgrave in it? You just can. <laughs> you can. It's lively enough. Steve brings it rock and roll. <laughs> I mean, are there any games that couldn't be improved with? Are there any that you think, other than cricket, are so wonderful? I think, and you're going to disagree profoundly with this. I think tennis, the Federer Nadal Djokovic rivalry, has been so. Enticing. There's not a lot that's going to improved on that. It's just been marvellous. I think 2020 cricket is brilliant. Brilliant. Love it. Love it. Do you? I, I, I do. I, I do. But? There is a but. And I like it, don't get me wrong. But I'm a purist. Yeah. I'm a purist. The 2020 game, you watch it. Each side obviously gets 20 overs. They start off fast. They have a bit of a lull in the middle. Then the end fast. You know how each game's going to go. It's fine. Test cricket... It's a, it's a proper game. It's over five days. The intricacies, the tactics. It's like a game of chess drawn yeah. out. Yeah. And if you win in the Tip last and half... Tip and run. Shut up. Oh, if you win in the last right. half right hour... I've got the one. one game which needs livening up is that one-day international cricket. Mm. Because now you've got the fastness of T20, you've got the slowness and the skill of test matches. One-day international cricket is boring. 
they start off with a bit of a flourish and yeah. then they just knock it around for a bit then they have a bit of a smash at the end. Yeah. It's becoming a pointless game. So, so tip and run, if you brought it, tip it, and run in, you'd be flying. <laughs> tip and run? What, what is this tip and run with so you? Tip and run at school? Someone said this to did you. you, play you just want to repeat did it. Did you play cricket at school? <laughs> no. <laughs> tip and run? You got it. If you hit it, you've got to run. Yeah, it's there's, there's run fielders. Out. There's fielders. Well, you don't think they're cotton onto it. Well, it, the thing well, is, it was yeah, just, these people have got more just, than an IQ of 23, unlike <laughs> footballers. They'll cotton onto it. I've got one for you. What they're about? educated people. <laughs> I've got one for you. What do you mean? Did he play cricket in school? It's like one of the all-time greats. <laughs> did he play in school? The, I've got one for you. The most pointless, pointless, pointless rule in any sport. Mm. Guess what it is. The Duckworth Lewis method. Oh. Uh, there you Rob, go. Rob, England won Rob, on that, didn't they? Against Australia. Rob, you're having an absolute nightmare today. <laughs> the Duckworth Lewis, you know the hours. The brains, the oh, minds of Duckworth on. and Lewis have got together to come up with a formula. It's ridiculous. Which not only it's ridiculous. can judge the end of a game and which way the result could go. It's a mathematical genius. I watched the game. I don't expect you to know it. It's a game of two halves. That's as far as you get. I watched it not long ago when somebody needed, like, with a Duckworth-Lewis mess. There we go. That's what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a receding ex-footballer who can't get his words out. But I seen that method a few years ago when... Can you explain it to me, please? Exactly. I can't explain even it. explain it. Don't so me. now you're, you're having a go at things you don't understand. So basically, if, it, rain, to if, world. It, if it rains, they calculate how many runs have so many overs and they reduce the total needed in X amount of balls. What should they do then? What should they do? It's it'd be not, like, it'd be like in football. It's what not, should it'd they be, do? I'll tell you what, though. It's a fair... It'd be like in football. You're 2-1 up in 60 minutes. It starts raining and then you say, oh, but because you're 2-1 up and you've had that many tackles, you're going to win the No wonder your books are going down the pan with comments <laughs> like that. Listen, have fair, you heard what on. you just said? If it starts raining in football, they stay out there. Yeah. You can't even play in the rain. No, we can't because Why? it affects the surface. It's oh. a little bit of drizzle. It's a summer sport. Get your quiff wet with your thick powder. Why not just come back tomorrow when the weather's a bit better? That's what they do. They do that, Matthew. But they don't. Why do they use the Douglas Lewis then? Yeah, correct. Good point, Matthew. Come back the next day. You played ping pong. (laughs) By the way, make the pong. It's always a bit windy in here. Turn the aircon off. The ball's moving around. Oh, for Hey, let me say this. On test cricket, I agree with you. The way you expressed it, you know, the... The narrative of Test cricket, the slow building drama. And it is a terrible pity that 2020 has taken some of the attention away from what is. I mean, it's not just a sport, it is an institution. And I'm worried 50 years' time will Test cricket still have that mystique that it has today. Right there. Go on. So, can you just explain what is the Duckworth Lewis? (laughs) Right, the the Duckworth Lewis. I can't give you the equation, but I'll tell you you in essence what it is. So, you have a game of cricket. One day international. Both teams get 50 overs. By some reason, not our fault, it might be inclement weather. So the rain comes down and they think, well, we can't play for an hour or two. Yeah. So, well, if you've batted, yeah. say you've scored 280 in the first innings. Yeah. Right? So the side need 280 to win, second innings of 50 overs. Because there's a time, it goes dark, yep. you yeah. can't play all night. Yeah. So there's a time where you have to bowl these overs and finish the game. Yeah. So what this formula does, which the geniuses that are Duckworth and Lewis <laughs> have come up with, is a formula to where, depending on how many runs you've got in the first innings, yeah. once you start losing overs, 
because of yes. rain and weather in the second, this formula will bring the runs down accordingly. Yeah. So you could have 35 overs and it say you need 240. But it's not fair. But it is the, the team that backs first. I've got to tell you, it's Wicked not fair, Pit, we, the team we, that backs first doesn't <laughs> think it's going to rain, do they? It's so cut. Robbie, Robbie, cricket is just way beyond your mental capacities. <laughs> you do take everything into account. You don't just. The only thing you take into account when you get the phone call from Wales is, <laughs> is it the end of the season or not? I've, I've got a trip to Corfu, but with family. How dare they? How dare they? All I wanted to do was drink a strawberry daiquiri and sit on beach. Hey, and read me Mr. Men books. Hey? Instead, it's, it's a. It, I, I've got to say, got, no, okay, we've got to go on to the next one. Let me just read out some of this stuff. Dougworth Lewis, yeah. if R2 is less than R1, reduce Team 2's target score in proportion to the reduction in total resources, i.e., S times R2 divided by R1. I'll tell you what, that's one line of it. Simple. This is nonsense. It's SR1. Ridiculous nonsense. Okay. Next topic. Do you have to be intelligent... (laughs) What are you laughing for? ..to excel in sport? Now, I have... come on, Matthew. Are we really doing this? I've not been listening to him for the past (laughs) hour. We're doing this. Past 18 shows. I've got to tell you, I've got a strong opinion on this and I suspect I'm going to disagree wildly with Fred um, Fred I take it you think that you don't have to be intelligent to excel in for example football because very few I'll be honest with you, I may not be able to explain the duck with his methods <laughs> but I know I think people when I see him on telly and usually they're kicking a ball let's be honest I've seen it I've seen it I'll be honest with you I don't think you do need brains. I think my intellect got in the way of my sporting career. Interesting. If I wasn't this clever, I'd have been a great. I think you need brains. I I think you do. To do what? To play sport. I, I really Did think... Did you get through the net? I don't understand this. Okay, let me, throw, let me throw this your way. Let's take Wayne Rooney as an example. People say he's really... Th- Frankie Boyle, one of his stand-up, he said, Wayne Rooney gets paid a lot of money, but he'd be happier with a tyre and rope. So he's comparing him to a monkey. How did I'd he get married? <laughs> How did he get married? Probably because I do sounds quite a lot like ooh ooh. So this is a common refrain. That's, you not, know, some, right? that's not some of Frankie's best material. No, that, it, it? it wasn't a classic. But I've looked back at Wayne Rooney's um, school reports. In his first mass report at primary school, it says quick to grasp new facts, fantastic mental skills. By the time he got to the, oh, by the time on his first <laughs> thing at primary school, he's quick to grasp what? New facts. New facts. Right, milk comes from a cow. <laughs> I think he was good with it. He was good with that one. There we go, Wayne, get your milk. Like here, miss, where's he from? Where's he from, the milk? It's from a cow, Wayne. Oh, miss, got it. Right, next. Hang on. By the time he got to the age of 10... Oh, you can spell his name. No. <laughs> w A. Uh, what's the next one, Miss? <laughs> Matthew's coming for you. He's he got said, a fair point here. Oh, hang on, hang on. It said quick and confident and grasp new concepts quickly. Religious education contributions show him to be a caring child, response to the need of others. And my take on this <laughs> is that is that Rudy. When he was a young kid, he only attended school for 186 days out of 320. Why? Because he was training for football. He played three nights a week, weekend matches. He was on the street. He was putting his life and soul into football. If he had focused on his education, what, what I have not... What would in the country? <laughs> no. He'd have been in number 10. <laughs> he might have been at the minute. I think it's well, a massive category error to say because a footballer... 
Wayne Rooney or Robbie Savage hasn't got a university degree and can't solve simultaneous equations. It means they're not intelligent. What that is telling me is they neglected their education to focus on an incredible work ethic in football and to reach the top of a ferociously yeah, competitive it. global I sport. I think you have to be intelligent to play sport. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. The intelligence to grasp things, to pick things up for, as a youngster, a coach will tell you X, Y and Z. You can pick it up quicker than people. Yep. I've played sport with... <laughs> Freddie, I've, I've what played... What did you pick up? Well, so, for instance, if... if you can. I see it in kids now, Freddie, and we. You've run in the thirteens cricket team, and a very good cricket team, and you can see it. You can see it that some of the kids will grasp, grasp things quicker than others, mm. and those ones will be more likely to be successful in their sport. And by the way, there's, I think there's a number of different types of intelligence. There's theore- I, I, I agree theoretical intelligence. Are you able to solve? Differential equations. Can you quote Einstein's theory of relativity? But there's practical intelligence. James Dyson, great inventor. Hoover's dual cyclone. See, he's not flies on Robbie. He's not flies on Robbie. Hoover, Hoover. <laughs> I just got one. I was happy. But he wasn't like hey, a theoretician. You've got the new air dryer as well, haven't you? Hey? I tell you, that was an amazing. Wayne Rooney's got nothing on you. <laughs> but you know, Matthew. But let me just finish yeah, that off. Yeah. The practical intelligence. Hoover, so he, Hoover. he wasn't able to solve the equations to separate dust from air, which is what the dual cyclone vacuum cleaner does. But he got a prototype. He tested it. It didn't work, so he adapted it. And through practical trial and error learning, he created an incredible machine. That's how the industrial revolution happened. What you're doing when you kick a football, curling it into the top corner from thirty Hang yards. Hang on a minute. Don't, 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 don't compare Robbie. <laughs> He's kicking a football <laughs> to a man who started the Industrial Revolution with an Uber. <laughs> right, because well, he could separate dust and it. What was he doing? No, and Robbie Freddie, can kick a ball. Freddie, you're going to be amazed I'm at this. Sorry, the I'm guy sorry. Who inspired, I am going to be amazed. The guy who inspired the Industrial Revolution, the steam engine, Thomas Newcomen, was a barely literate uh, lay preacher. He wasn't able to do the mathematical equations, but he was brilliant at trying things, learning by doing. That's what you mean by kids who are able to pick up how to connect with the ball, to get the curve, to be in the right position. These are... Football is a game of the brain. I think solving problems on the pitch as well is an intelligence. It's solving problems. It's an intelligence. So, for instance, you can be playing... What are you doing around with sums in your pockets? (laughs) (laughs) No, you can can be playing... Just out of interest, what you got? What did you do educationally? You you sort of pulled out... I got oh, seven um, GCSEs, mm-hmm. so I got um, I had art, <laughs> PE, yeah. te- technical, you, technical. Did, you, you did all economics, didn't you? Technical drawing, yeah, all economics, English language, English language, <laughs> English, oh, literature. English, English, oh, literature. English literature. We might yeah. have to have a stewards' inquiry on this. There's no yeah, chance. I, I bring you the can't even in. say it. You can, you can barely spell GCSE. <laughs> I got. Let me start again. PE, technical drawing. Um, art, English literature, English language, no, Robbie, maths, Robbie, not, and not, um, not biology. What, not, not, not the exams what, you taught, what you passed. <laughs> I got four, you turned up four A's and three B's. Wow. wow. Four A's and three B's. That's pretty da- And how much football were you playing every week? All the time, week? all, all the, the time. time. And then I, went to, then I went to uni- I went to um, Accrington College and got a B-Tech in business studies while playing football. Wow. So I got that as well. Um, See, this doesn't surprise me. I think you are. I mean, Freddie's going to hammer me for this. I think you're very bright. I'm clever as well because... <laughs> did you just say I'm... <laughs> did you just say These are the people tell you wrong. Do you know I'm, why I'm clever? <laughs> I think I'm quite intelligent and yeah. quite clever because there's, certain, there's people out there who are, far, too much. who are far more intelligent, who are far more organised, who are far more 
um, whatever. Well-educated. Well-educated. Yep. But I'm here doing this because yep. I've used my intelligence and my, you know, <laughs> cleverness to form a career when I might... He's not even a sentence. He's not even a sentence. People think I'm kidding them, but I must have an intelligence and a sharpness No, you've just been found be out. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean? The, the pretense is over, Rob. You've just outed yourself. <laughs> Freddie, so what, is what that a fair point? I think I totally agree with you. I think that you've navigated your way Correct. through your post-football career brilliantly. And not just... OK, I'm going to throw this in. Freddie's going to hammer you, but I'll throw this in. Yeah. This podcast... Who is the person who's come up with many of the best topics that we've discussed? No. Who goes and checks the Twitter feed? Who's on the phone to me and Fred and the producer? I mean, Freddie calls you the executive producer. That's fair point. So fair you point. are all over it. And oh. I think that, that, by the way, is initiative. It's being proactive. That's the kind of intelligence of the you know, James Dyson, the Industrial Revolution. Me I and think James Dyson. Beck, you know, You're I Stephen ju- Hawkins. <laughs> You're Freddie, Steve. Um, what about education? I know I'll be look, savage. You're- <laughs> You... Is my hero. <laughs> I wish Fred. I was you... as clever as Robbie Savage. Come on, come on. His punditry is from a different universe. <laughs> Ask him now. But you, how did, what did you do at school? Did you Seriously. sort of drop out completely or did you stick at it? I was, um, I, I don't like to bang on about it. I was a straight-A student. Were you? Up until being 15, when I started getting paid to play cricket. Really? Honestly? Yeah. So you were nailing it. What, maths, English, Everything. science, the works? Yeah. I'm not at all surprised by I, that. Yeah, well, well there I you struggled go. a bit with needlework, but who doesn't? But so why, do you you say go, your, so why do you say your intellect, this was a really interesting, you said yeah. your intellect got in the way of you being an even more successful cricketer. What do you mean by that? I thought about it a bit too much. Uh-huh. I'd sooner be a simpleton like Rob. <laughs> Just get on with it. You no, no, I, I, I was when I, and then I was about 15, I started getting paid to play cricket, didn't really go to school, didn't bother, and then coursed it through. Ended up with nine GCSEs, Bs mm-hmm. and Cs. Um, and then, yeah. I, you... I, I, I think the intellect, intellect thing was you do overthink it yeah. at times. You know, I play with people and... I'm not saying I'm a massive intellect, but I did think about things. And when I didn't think, I was a better player than yeah. when I tried to dissect things yeah. and go through. See, people talk, so people talk about David Beckham. You know, when you hear the comedians take the mick out of his, the way he speaks, and yep. coming across as quite thick. He's one of the most intelligent men out there, I think. I agree. For him to achieve what he's Shall I tell you what I think it is? No. It's class prejudice. Because you have a rower who goes on TV, and because they've been to a private school and they have a different accent, people say, oh, how wonderful they are. Aren't they uh, such great ambassadors for our nation? Then you have Wayne Rooney or David Beckham who speak with different accents because they're from a working-class background. People associate that with being thick yeah, when they're I deeply agree. intelligent. And moreover, they've come through hardship yeah, and poverty up against so many other people. They've shown initiative and resilience. And I think there is a real problem. I think we see it in, oh, footballers are overpaid. We don't say that about Hollywood actors who have been to Eton because we have think that they speak with the right accent. I think that a lot of the prejudice against the intellectual ability of footballers is basic class warfare. I, I, I don't think intellect is a big thing for a sportsman. One thing which I think is more important, and I'm not quite sure how to describe it, is being streetwise. Yeah. Streetwise. Mm-hmm. Where you look at someone like yeah. Steve Armisen, so, right? And I don't know if you ever went to school with him. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> he is so streetwise. Yeah. He is so on it, and he he thinks 
differently. Mm -hmm. And we used to get these lads who'd been to Cambridge and they'd been to posh school and that. And they didn't get it. They they didn't get it. They would analyse everything within an inch of its life. And you talk about knowing what to do on a field. There's a cricket, cricket. you need a cricket brain. You need to read a game. Cricket brain. You watch watch a batter, you need to sense what he's going to do if you're bowling at him. When When you're facing someone as a batsman, you're looking for tells all the time. You're, you're not guessing, but you, you've yeah. got it in your mind what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the field. Just moving yourself a little bit, not waiting for the captain mm-hmm. or sensing if someone's going to hit it yep. to you. So if you're on a run chase, you know, breaking it down into targets. So there's different Str- being strategic, different about ways of thinking. Yeah. That's like, what I'm saying. A football field. Tell, have you not? Have you, yeah, I know, we, we have I, a laugh I, about it, but yeah. I, I like no. Wayne Rooney and these guys. You look at the serial performers, can't be daft. Yeah, right. They, they can't agree. be. Like no, I'm so field. glad you say that because I've seen people who are immensely talented table tennis players. Like you know, you won't know them, but because they haven't had that intellect, that street wise, you know, that that ability to make the most of their potential, which is such a difficult thing to do. They've they've completely flunked. In my opinion, they've been too stupid to make it as top class. You but must have I, seen this in football. Yeah, but, and do cricket. Not, but, but do I think the word intelligence and a football brain, a cricket brain, a table tennis brain? I think. The, the the common denominator with that, you can have that, but I think the main thing is hard work. Mm-hmm. I think if you've got an intelligence and if you've got a football brain, cricket brain, if you add that to hard work, desire, dedication, you've got half a chance. But I think, but I think the intelligence comes before the hard work. Yeah, I yeah. The the, the intelligence yeah. the intelligent thing to do is put the hard work exactly. in. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. from someone who's experienced both sides through my career, we're not putting the hard work into them putting it in. Mm-hmm. The intelligent bit comes through because if you're going out, it's, it's a, we've done that Duckworth Lewis equation, which no one understands, <laughs> right? Yeah. But this one's easy. Mm. If you have ten pints tonight, a curry, and don't train, <laughs> the equation is pretty simple. You're not going to perform. But you did. I didn't for a period. And like then I got long. then I got my head down and started training. And, and performed better. Performed better. But everything whilst I was messing about and not doing it right, everything I was telling was this isn't working. Yeah. But it did work though. It didn't initially. I had to get my head down and start training and do and, it proper. And by the way, what I meant when I said football is a brain game, you know, people say he's got a good right foot. There's nothing about Lionel Messi's right foot that is that different from anyone else walking on the streets of Salford Keys. bigger, <laughs> Exactly. Left what foot. it is, or his left foot, it's the way the brain controls the foot to create perfect timing. It's the way the, bo- it's the, way the brain so, controls the body for the first touch. It's the way the brain measures the number of people around him so he can pick out the perfect pass and position. So, so I think it's been a real mistake to talk about football as a physical game. It is a brain game. All the great players had incredibly oh, rich, amazing... Pro- I'll tell you one thing. Google robot football and you'll see how far artificial intelligence is with their sophisticated algorithms. From what Do you actual- watch virtual dog racing as well? <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate here. These, these are some things that footballers have said. Yeah, go on. All right, these are things footballers have said. And I love this man, Kevin Keegan. Do you know what he said? There's a second best team in the world and there's no higher praise than that. <laughs> Well, Kevin, there is. There isn't, though, let's be honest. If you're the second best team in the world, there is higher praise than that. Here we go. Have we got this one here? Stuart Pierce. I can see the carrot at the end of the tunnel. I can see a carrot at the end of a tunnel. Here we go. We've got another one here. Alan Shearer. Right. We haven't been scoring goals, but football's not just about scoring goals. 
It's about winning. But surely, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, you need to score goals to win at football. <laughs> here we go. I've got another... Oh, this one here from a goal for my favourite. Greg Norman is an Aussie, and he's yep. an Aussie. Yep. A great white shark. Yeah, yep. a lot to me parents, especially me mother and father. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're telling me sportsmen are clever. <laughs> oh, God. But There's one here you. from Phil Neville. Phil Neville, I love a Phil Neville quote. I love a Phil Neville. This is when he was commenting on a couple of football teams. The Brazilians were South American and the Ukrainians would be more European. <laughs> really, uh, Phil? <laughs> None from cricketers. They're, they're, they're too clever. Tell you what, though, I bet you if you were to get a list of politicians' crazy phrases, you would get some ridiculous ones there too. But you know what, you know, can I just ask this? You know when they say, Matthew, because you're more into the psychology... So I watch my little boy play football now. Physically, he's not as strong as the others. He's not as quick. Um, but what I hear people saying, he's got a football brain mm. because he can see a pass before yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. He can you see... You thank his mum for that. <laughs> <laughs> he can see things developing. Yeah, like Sheringham was uh, so good at that. And I'm sitting there and I can see it as well. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't the brightest. Okay, I've done, I done well, but I can see... There's intelligence in life and intelligence in politics or intelligence in getting A stars. But I think in sport, you have an intelligence in your sport. So the yeah. football brain yeah. is, is... What is Let the football you, brain? Let me tell you, I genuinely think you get a lot of kids at school, they get straight A's, they get a first-class degree. No common but when, sense. When, but when they no go to their sense, first them. interview and they go into a job for the first time and they're waiting for life to happen to them, they need to be much more active to have that ability to say, we're going to seize these opportunities, we're going to be streetwise, we're going to take the initiative. These are massively important qualities, and I think we downgrade them when we talk so often about, oh, this person's really bright because he knows how to recite the Duckworth-Lewis method. I think as well, I think intelligence gets lost a little bit. Mm -hmm. Everyone judges intelligence on academic stuff. Exactly. GCSEs, A-levels, degrees. And I, you, you were saying the other day, like, he went to Jersey last week, and you did that Q&A at dinner, didn't you? Yeah. And you said he was nervous because you've got all these captains of industry in the room and all these people who've done all this business and they've earned X amount of money. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to meet Rob. They're coming to listen to you. Yeah. Who's, yeah, who's, say, who's, yeah. who's the intelligent one? No, you're not. Yeah. I, I, I'm not coming to listen to some fellow who's met an Uber yeah. or some bloke who's done this, that, and the other. Yeah. They've all turned up to but listen I didn't to you. Think who's I, the intelligent yeah, one? I was because well of said. because we're talking about that. I was in this room and I was so nervous, such a bag of nerves, because I don't do question answers because when when you're in a room with such successful people, I'm thinking, why am I there? Not they're going to look down on me, but I'm just worried because they are they are all successful. They're all great people. But I just felt being there was like, not look down on me, but I wasn't intelligent enough. But there was one common denominator in that room. I was in my pals and I'd done the question answers, and there was one common denominator with all those successful people behind it. And I said it in, in, in my question answers, my wife, who's been about wives, who supported me all, all the way through my career, mm -hmm. in that room with all the successful businessmen, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, their wife or their partner, who enabled them to, to do what they do. So behind every Great man, there's a you know, Are you refer to yourself as a great no, man, but every successful man, there's a great woman, and, and vice versa, yeah, and, vi and yeah. vice versa. And, and by the way, and often it's you have marvelous families too, yeah, parents or coaches have nurtured you and helped you to develop. You always need those pathways, and they're often given to you by others. It's a great way to well, I should be off. good then. Both my wives are behind me. <laughs> <laughs> Which one was a better kisser? Yay! <laughs> See you later.
Hello. Fred. That's all. Thank you for joining us on uh, Friends of Savage and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. There's plenty more topics coming up next week. Just two more versions to go. I'm Philly Fintoff and I'm just jogging on right now. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for listening. You can download the podcast for extended versions of all the topics we covered on this week's show at the Five Live website and all the usual podcast places. Please use the hashtag FredSavSide to get in touch through the week. If you could leave a review on iTunes and give us a rating, that would be great. We really appreciate everyone who's done that already. <laughs> we'll be back at the same time next week. But for now, from all of us, goodbye. I go first. Goodbye to us. Tear more on what rules... Tear, tear, to here. Tear, tear. To hear more on what rules we'd change rules? <laughs> rules? <laughs> to hear? <laughs> Who's to you got to go on, Tim. <laughs> to hear more on what rules we'd change to make sport better, please download the podcast. But next, we've moved on to this. If you want to hear more... <laughs> <laughs> Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy. Thank you for downloading the Flintoff, Savage and the Ping Pong Guy podcast. If you like what you hear, then why not have a look at what else Five Live podcasts have to offer at bbc.co.uk forward slash Five Live. Want more from your podcast app? Graduate to Pocket Casts, your free one-stop shop for podcast listening, search and discovery. The beautifully designed app gives you more control and makes it easier to discover and organize podcasts with powerful tools to customize listening. Hear all your favorite shows at pocketcast.com or find us in the Apple app or Google Play stores. 